Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Kuzmenko taken down in front of the goal. Now they score side of the net. Elias Pedersen from the bottom of the right circle. Yeah, I thought we were penetrating a little bit better. People will read you positive. <laughs> you don't always have to be negative. Well, you go home after after these losses and you just feel bad about yourself. Like ice cream isn't even tasting good anymore. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you. Hello, hello. We're going to try this again for the third consecutive day. Intern Joseph, good morning to you as well. Good morning, guys. How's it going? Not bad. Better. It's getting better. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Big day, big show on a Wednesday. A four-guester on the Halford & Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Guest list begins at 6.30. It's Jeff Merrick, host of The Jeff Merrick Show and the 32 Thoughts podcast. We'll talk to Jeff about everything that's going on uh, in Chicago. We'll talk about the Canucks game last night. Lots to get into with Jeff at 6.30. 7 o'clock, Ben Pope is going to join the program. He is a Hawks beat writer for the Chicago Sun-Times. Obviously, the big story in Chicago yesterday, not just that they got a win over the Kraken, but also, you know, that whole Corey Perry situation and those rumors that were put to rest yesterday. Ben Pope's going to join us at 7 o'clock. And a trade, the Canucks. And a trade with the Vancouver Canucks. That's right, Greg. 7 o'clock, Greg, uh, Greg Pope. Ben Pope is going to join us uh, from the Chicago Sun-Times. 7.30, Joe O'Donnell is going to join us on the program. Now, yesterday, we were supposed to get uh, one of the Wilds play-by-play men, Anthony LaPanta, who I kept calling Anthony LaPlanta. I know, I didn't correct you. Nobody corrected me. Yeah. And then in the notes, I spelled it Joe O'Connell. It's Joe O'Donnell, so I'm off to a hot start. I'm just not correcting you anymore. Please do, especially when it comes to guests that I have to introduce before they talk. (laughs) Uh, Joe's going to join us, obviously. Wild new head coach in place, John Hines. They got their first win with him behind the bench yesterday. Speaking of coaches behind the bench, Jason, 8 o'clock. Jeremy Colleton is going to join the program. He, of course, the head coach of the Abbotsford Canucks. Uh, So we'll talk to him about everyone that's doing business down on the farm. I don't know if you listened to Rick Tockett's post-game audio yesterday. I I heard what he had to say. A couple guys knocking on the door. That's right. Maybe there's a couple Abbotsford Canucks on their way up to the Vancouver Canucks. Who's to say Jeremy Colleton can talk about that at 8 o'clock, working in reverse. It's Joe O'Donnell at 7.30. It's Ben Pope at 7. Jeff Merrick at 630. Uh, That's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened? 
What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. Brock Besser scored twice last night and now leads the NHL standalone NHL goals leader with 17. Vancouver Canucks handed the Anaheim Ducks their seventh straight loss, a 3-1 win at Rogers Arena on Tuesday. I'll reiterate, in case you missed it, Brock Besser is now the NHL's leading goal scorer all by himself with 17 through 23 games. He's on pace for a cool 61 goals this year. Well, it was nice to uh, win a game after being tied after 40 minutes, unlike the last few times. Uh, 1-1 tie after 40 minutes last night against the Anaheim Ducks at Rogers Arena. Um, And credit to the Canucks for really taking control of that game in the third period. House of Negativity, it was far from a full 60-minute domination of not a great team. Uh, Brock Besser scored twice, including an empty netter to seal it. Uh, A power play empty netter, no less. (laughs) Get a lot of those these days. Boost the old percentage. What a great story he's been this season. And I don't even know if we've talked enough about the turnaround and the fact that, um, you know, it would have taken a sweetener to move him a lot, like at, at a lot of points um, in the last little while. And now he is leading the NHL in goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, he wanted out. And then, right at the end of the season, after Rick Tockett had come in, he came in and said, You know what? I don't want out. Keep me. And the Canucks were like, Okay, we can't trade you anyway. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's how it was, really. I mean, but, but it, it, the narrative out there might be like, oh, he went to management. He said, "I want to stay," and, and management said, "Okay, we can keep you." It was like, okay, well, they probably they probably said like, it doesn't make any difference. Like yeah. we're gonna try and move cap space, and if we can move you, we'll do it. If we can move Garland, we'll do it. You know, that it wasn't really up to Brock Besser, but thank God it played out the way it did because uh, Brock Besser is such an important part of this team. Um, But with all due respect to Brock Besser and his two goals, the play of the game uh, involved two guys that were under the spotlight a lot heading into this game, and that's Andre Kuzmenko and Elias Pettersson. Uh, Kuzmenko goes to the front of the net. And he does enough to bother Ducks goalie John Gibson that Gibson even gets a little bit distracted, well, a lot distracted, and goes out and gives him a little bit of a shot to the point that Elias Pettersson was able to wrap it around to score on Gibson to make it 2-1 to one, just 32 seconds into the third period. The Canucks in that third period ended up outshooting the Ducks 16-4, to four, but still got outshot 31-28 on the night. And in his walk-off interview, we should also mention Thatcher Demko was really good last night. Yep. Demko said, uh, the first two periods weren't up to our standards. Uh, but then he said, listen, great response in the third, including a big penalty kill late in the game after the Canucks were caught with too many men on the ice. So they got it done. They won a game against an Anaheim Ducks team who, let's face it, we're probably going to come out with a strong effort after getting embarrassed in Edmonton, 
considering the fact that they were on a six-game losing streak, there is talent in that lineup. House of positivity, the Canucks won the game. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of result that a playoff team does get. Because remember, the comments after losing to San Jose on Saturday was that Tockett saw too many things, including the final score, that a playoff team just, quite frankly, doesn't do. The shot totals... I noticed at the second intermission, Sat was trying to put a very positive spin. I'm not saying he was spinning it, but it was a positive spin on the shot totals, noting that in terms of high danger scoring chances, there really wasn't that big of a margin between the two teams. In fact, the Canucks probably had the edge. Suggesting that a lot of times that the shots that the Anaheim Ducks were getting on Thatcher Demko were pretty routine saves. And there was a lot of possession time for the Canucks in the second period. In the third, you kind of started to see that translate into actual tangible scoring chances and then goals. But for me, that is when you're in the situation, the position that Canucks are in, that's a tick the box, got the job done. You know, you put in a good hardy shift. Sometimes you come home from the construction site or so I've heard, and you know that you've put in some work, right? Maybe the work at the end of the day doesn't look great, but at the end of the day, the work got done. And well, it was up, they worked it was for, up they, to code. They worked for one hour of their eight-hour shift, and they got it done. Now, that's something I can relate to. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Getting her done while only putting in one-eighth of a shift. But you got it done. That's the thing. There are bad teams in the NHL that you can do that against, if we're being dead honest. Well, actually, you know, like, if you look, if you do look at the expected goals last night, if we want to go, go under the hood, even at five-on-five, five, the Canucks were the deserving winner of that game, even if they did get outshot Mm -hmm. but I think look Thatcher Demko this isn't us Thatcher Demko said the first two periods weren't up to our standards yeah but the third was but the third very much was and like right right on because I think with the tone of the show and quite frankly the tone of the city the market this radio station in general was going to be a lot different if they had lost the game to Anaheim coming off a loss to San Jose you just have to win games I mean it sounds really sophomoric in terms of analysis but that's what they needed to do Last night. Um, I'll, before we pivot on to some other stuff, including the Beauvillier trade, can we play the talk at audio on Besser? Because he talked about having him out at the end of the game. That's his third empty net goal of the year, if I'm not mistaken. So when we talk about Besser this season, I think a lot of people obviously are going to look at the goal totals and say, wow, like this is incre- incredibly impressive. He's now too clear of Kucherov for the lead league. I don't think anyone would have expected that. But, you know, for talking, it's more than just finding the back of the net. It's the defensive play. It's the ability to close out games. And quite frankly, it's the opportunity to close out wins. I don't know if you've been watching the Canucks for the last few years, but there haven't been a lot of opportunities to salt away a victory with empty netters. Here now is Rick Tockett on Brock Besser. I like this. For, uh, you know, we had a video today, but we didn't have enough nut front presence. And where is he? He scores that goal. That's a big goal for us, too. And then obviously, I tell you, when you, you know, when he had that puck, some guys missed those empty nets. He, he what's he three for three for three this year? I mean, that's those are those are high pressure shots, and he somehow he puts them in. Um, but he's done a nice job defensively. He deserves to be out there, you know. Him and uh, Millsy and Petey, I thought, uh, put them out there last minute. I thought that was a good line for us. Now, do you guys want to hear some analysis on Andre Kuzmenko? Here's a whopping five seconds of it from the Vancouver Canucks head coach. Yeah, I mean, he was okay. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I. I I thought he was okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I think it was, I, blowing praise. I I don't know what to tell you, but I think at this stage of the game, we can suggest that Andre Kuzmenko isn't Rick Tockett's number one favorite player That's on the active. Crazy. I thought he was okay. Yeah. 
Crazy that, talking, is, Mike. Is that fair to say that uh, maybe, maybe Kuzmenko isn't his most favorite guy? That okay, hey, dog. Do you think? Do you think Tockett's being unfair to him? No, no, no I was being sarcastic. Oh, okay, so um, I, I know there are some people out there that think that Tockett is just picking on Kuzmenko, but just put yourself in Tockett's shoes. There's a lot of things that he's come in and he said there are going to be staples to our game. There are going to be non-negotiables. There are going to be things that. We ask our players to do that they have to do. Mm-hmm. What if, and, and, and you know, like we're not necessarily watching games from going like thinking about those all the time, right? Not e- even some of the people that, could, that, that, that call themselves like, I'm a hardcore hockey fan. I know the game. I played the game, right? Like you don't know exactly what Tockett is telling his players to do. You don't know what's being said in the video sessions with Kuzmenko. Mm-hmm. What if there are some things that, Talk it is like it just keeps telling Kuzmenko, like, you got to be here in this instance, or you got to do this in this instance. And, you know, like, you can't do that. You can't do that. And then Kuzmenko is just like, not quite there. Right. I, right. Here, like, here's that's, the thing. that's, that's, that's probably what's happening. I think that the, um, <laughs> I think the openness is there. Like, by all accounts, Talk it says like he's receptive and he's still the same happy bubbly and uh, I love this kind of guy. I after a while you do run the risk of um, taking away some of that enthusiasm and exuberance and the opportunity for a guy to buy in because after a while everyone is going to say you know what I have been trying to do everything that you've been telling me to do and I've been working hard. There's a stylistic thing involved here that I think is going to go beyond coaching and learning the league. And when Tockett says, you know, he's still only a second-year player in the NHL, at a certain point, I think there's going to be, and there's going to have to be, like a, an acknowledgement that Kuzmenko kind of is what he is as a player. And you could try and fit him into a box and get him to do the staples and everything else, and he needs to do those things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you're going to get him to where he was a year ago, or even reasonably close to it, there might have to be more of a meeting in the middle. That's, a, that's just my my takeaway on this, is that... Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. Yeah. Like, like, like it, it, it reminds me of, honestly, this, and this is unfair because they're both Russian players, but maybe there are some reasons for, like, they both played in the KHL. They pl- both played a certain way growing up. Both uh, have certain profiles, but... You know, when when Travis Green was getting frustrated with Goldobin, I was kind of like, I don't think we're going to turn this guy into a bulldog. Right. right. Like, I don't I don't even know if we're going to turn this guy into wins a guy who wins puck battles. Right. So, you know, the funny thing is, is that Rick Tockett was the the Phil Kessel whisperer. Right? Yeah. And yeah, Kessel yeah. did all sorts of things out there that coaches probably didn't like. But. Mm. Um, you know, it is interesting. I would love to be in some of these video sessions that Tockett is having with Kuzmenko who or, or whoever is having with, with Kuzmenko because I, I, I would like to know what kind of things is he doing that are driving talk, driving Tockett kind of to the point where he's like, well, I can't even have this guy in the lineup or when he does come in. And listen, I, 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 I thought there might be some praise for Kuzmenko because yeah. on Pedersen's goal, right, he goes to the front of the net you know, he is getting his nose dirty. I think Gibson actually tripped him, um, or maybe because Manko fell over Gibson's stick, but he was in Gibson's face. Uh, there's a defenseman there, too, to the point where Gibson is so distracted that Petey's ever to go do 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 behind the net and, yep. then, and then score on the wraparound, right? Like, that, that, was a, that was a massive goal for the Canucks because they came into that third period, again, tied, 
with Anaheim, and they weren't really playing all that well. And he makes some good play, and and I thought he had jump last night. I thought he because uh, Menko, I'm talking about. Yep. I thought he had good energy, and then he just gets an okay. Uh, on the subject of Andre Kuzmenko, his line mate Ilya Mikheyev, in case you missed it, he got hit with a Tyler Myers slap shot in the third period. Went down in a ton of pain. It looked like it got him right on the knee. Uh, early reports are that he's going to be okay. Rick Tockett briefly mentioned it post game. I think he said that he had already undergone an X-ray. Uh, I, the audio is whatever. I think I can kind of paraphrase the audio. The audio that I do want to play from Tockett as we move along pertains to the other big news of the day for the Vancouver Canucks. Yesterday, just hours before puck drop, the Canucks announced that Anthony Beauvillier had been traded to Chicago. So if you're talking about the chronology of events yesterday... The Chicago Blackhawks announced that they are waiving Corey Perry uh, for the purpose of terminating his contract. This, of course, comes not long after they announced that Taylor Hall would be gone for the remainder of the year with an injury. So losing two NHL-capable forwards, and by the way, Perry actually had pretty good production uh, in 14 games played this year. Having lost two NHL-capable wingers, the Blackhawks thought, well, we're going to need to get a replacement now. Enter the Chicago or enter the Vancouver Canucks and Anthony Beauvillier. Beauvillier traded to Chicago for a 2024 fifth round pick. Here now is Rick Tockett talking in the post game about a deal that got consummated just hours before puck drop. Beauvillier to Chicago. Well, it's it's business, right? You, you know, we need the cap space. You know, he's a guy that you know he, he was tradable. Um, you know, now we got some cap space to get some stuff that we need to do down the road. Um, and there's, you know, there's competition in Abbotsford too. There's a couple of guys knocking on the door, so you can make a trade like that. Um, and then, you know, we'll we'll see what we're going to use with that cap space, cap space down the road. Uh, so two things there: one, the cap space, no salary retained in the trade whatsoever, so they clear 4.15 million in cap space. And the other thing I thought that was interesting is talking about the guys in Abbotsford and an internal push to bring up some forwards. We're going to talk to Jeremy Colleton later on in the show about some of these candidates that could be on their way up. But we've talked about the importance of organizational depth and internal competition at length, at length on this show over the last few years, because it's one of the staples of good franchises and good organizations having the depth. If you go back to the Pittsburgh days where they had AHL Wilkes-Barre slash Scranton, they would routinely bring guys up, plug them into the NHL lineup, and get production out of them. Now, this year, the only re- I think the only one of note really right now is Nils Oman, who's looked good, I think, in his cameo role coming up for a brief handful of games. Mm-hmm. But that was the guy that Tockett was high on. Uh, defensively, Cole McWard played last night. He got through it. Right, I mean, it was always always going to be a bit of a challenge to getting thrown into the first game of the season. But the bigger picture thing here is if you have the ability and flexibility to move on from guys on your active roster and bring guys up from the American League and guys that can contribute, that is a very good thing. Yeah, you know, getting back to the to the, the, the trade, just I just want to start with the trade. Yeah, we, sure. we were recently bemoaning uh, Beauvillier's lack of production this season, and we kind of threw him in the same camp as Connor Garland, where you look at the, the registered shots, they've had scoring chances, but the finish wasn't there. Um, you know, the Canucks will keep Connor Garland, and I think Connor Garland is a more useful player 
than Beauvillier. I think he does more things. Like I get frustrated when I watch Garland because yeah. of his finish and like he just doesn't have a very hard shot and the puck's not going in for him right now. So that's frustrating. But I think he does. He does. He. I think Garland has more of an ability to drive a line mm-hmm. than Beauvillier does. He does so, more things per sixty. He's got a higher things per sixty. <laughs> Great stat. Thanks yeah, for 60. Just thing. He does things. So thanks to Taylor Hall's injury and, again, whatever the heck happened with Corey Perry, the Canucks pounced on an opportunity to dump Beauvillier's entire $4.15 million cap hit. Would have been better for the Canucks to have done that trade over the summer? Yeah, but it probably wasn't there. They probably weren't able to make that move without any, without adding any sweeteners. And the Canucks have kind of been like, we're not doing sweeteners for these deals, right? Mm-hmm. And they found a chance, and good for them, because they didn't have to add anything. They got rid of Beauvillier's entire cap hit, not because of really anything that they did strategically. They did get a little bit lucky, but they made the deal. They called up Chicago. They realized, like, hey, Chicago's got a problem right now, sure. and they're going to be a place where maybe they might want a veteran forward who's, like, a good guy in the room. Um, and and for Chicago, this might make sense in addition to bringing in someone to help Beauvillier and someone to help, not Beauvillier, Bedard, someone to help beyond, you know, Taylor Hall and Corey Perry because maybe Beauvillier goes there and has a, a a really good stretch for 20 or 30 games. And then the Blackhawks are able to say, okay, we'll trade them at the trade deadline and we'll retain salary and we'll get even more than the fifth round pick that we were able to, that we had to give up to, to get Beauvillier. So hopefully it works out for everyone involved. And that includes Beauvillier, who comes from the Islanders to Vancouver and plays well for the first part. And I remember people being like, I'd rather have Beauvillier than Horvat. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's all right. You're, you're emotional right now. You're lashing out at Bo yeah. Horvat. But, you know, ultimately Beauvillier didn't really have a spot in the lineup that worked for him. The question now is, what do the Canucks do with their newfound cap space? Because you know they're not, they're not, <laughs> they're not savers. The Canucks aren't savers. They're no. gonna they're gonna they're gonna use this money. They're gonna use this cap space yeah. as soon as they're gonna, they they're gonna buy municipal bonds with it. You, well, it, you assume it's Ethan Bear, right? Like, well, look, it's worth noting that Cole McWard and Noah Juleson were both in the lineup yesterday, and for the record. Um, Hughes and Hronick weren't together. Like that, I, I, I didn't expect to see that. Yeah. Uh, maybe I wasn't paying attention. Did everyone expect that? But uh, Hughes and Hronick were not together for the full game, and maybe that's because the coaching staff was like, "We, you know, we got McWard and yeah. Noah Juleson. Um It's you part know, of the committee approach. But Ian Cole was to, in there trying too, to bring Hronick's uh, re-signing price down. But yeah, maybe they're trying to bring. <laughs> yeah, maybe they maybe forty they, chess over here. Maybe management heard our show the other yeah. day. It was like, oh my god, we, we're not going to be able to afford Hronick. Yeah, split those um, guys up. So Ethan Bear is the obvious choice but nothing's done yet and it remains to be seen when he'll be ready to play I'm sure we're going to get some more Ethan Bear updates now but like is he even close to being NHL ready on Canucks talk yesterday sat and Dan spent a considerable amount of time talking about the long-term projection as it would pertain to Ethan Bear Mm -hmm. and trying to do a realistic one and realistically 
you're going to have to, one, get him signed, which means he's healthy enough to participate at a proper level. Like, you can't just sign him and then have him do the same skating regimen that he's doing right now. Then you're talking about how long is it going to take to get a guy up to speed in the NHL, and not just for a run-of-the-mill NHL team, a team yeah. that has playoff aspirations, that is fighting tooth and nail for points because they want to get in the postseason. Well, we keep they haven't hearing, played in seven months. We keep hearing from Dollywall that the Canucks have interest in Zadorov, And the thing with Zadorov is, like, he's requested a trade. So maybe it's uncomfortable in Calgary. Now, I also watched the Toronto Maple Leafs yesterday, and I noticed that Mark Giordano got hurt, and I wonder if... The Leafs might be calling on Zadora for any of the other defensemen that might be available in Calgary. But again, and we're gonna the Canucks are gonna see Calgary on on Saturday. The Flames might feel like we're not out of the playoff race yet. Like we we can keep these guys. Yeah. So uh, certainly something to uh, keep our eyes on. I wonder if uh, I looked at the game sheet yesterday and Beauvillier was actually listed as one of the healthy scratches. Now, I don't know if that was because the trade wasn't like quite official yet, or maybe that was just a mistake and it'll get it rescinded. But he was one of the scratches along with Hiroshi and Friedman. So they could, in theory, once the trade is completed, call someone up to replace Beauvillier. Um, I'd really like to see our Steve Baines at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, he leads the team in scoring. Um, I think he's a guy that they could plug into the bottom six, and I would just, I just like to see him because I like his story. Uh, I know others will want to see Pot Colson back up. We'll talk to the head coach of the Abbotsford Canucks today, uh, Jeremy Carlton. So we'll ask him about some of these players, um, and we'll try and get a feel for how the organization feels about these individual players. Jeff Merrick is going to join us next. Lots to talk about, including what's going on in Chicago. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I will not be be able to disclose any details related to the initial reporting, investigation, or the findings. However, I do want to be very clear on this one point. This does not involve any players or their families, and anything that suggests otherwise, or anyone that suggests otherwise, is wildly inaccurate, and frankly, it's disgusting. 6.33 on a Wednesday. That clip you just heard was yesterday's press conference in Chicago. Blackhawks GM Kyle Davidson talking about the Corey Perry situation and addressing inaccurate and, as he put them, disgusting rumors. With regards to what led to Corey Perry ultimately being waived and, as we assume and expect, his contract being terminated by the Chicago Blackhawks. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Jeff Merrick is going to join us in just a second here. The highlight of hour one. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. To the phone lines we go. Uh, He is the host of the Jeff Merrick Show. You can hear him on the 32 Thoughts podcast. Jeff Merrick now on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Uh, I am well. What's going on today? Oh, not much. Just nine mil- <laughs> nine million NHL stories it, that we need to get does to. It, 
does it not seem like every day is a complete season? Like, you know, at the end of the year, we all do our recaps and like, okay, let's have a look at the season review and you put together all the top stories. Mm-hmm. Does it not feel like you're doing that every day now? Yeah, it's it, it, there's obviously a correlation there between that and the American Thanksgiving cutoff where it's like, okay, it's time to get serious and things are happening. And now we got coaches getting fired and we got trades and everything else. Uh, but we do need to start with the clip that we played and then what happened. Sure. Really what's happened in Chicago over the last 48 hours. How yeah. damaging have these last two days been to an organization that, let's be honest, has already been pretty tarnished in the wake of the Kyle Beach situation? But is it not obvious to everybody here, and it should really be obvious to everybody who works in a corporate environment, and that includes us on this show right now, that all this is being handled by human resources? Yeah, I could say that's fair. So, that's like, fair I, I, underst- I understand that, you know, Chicago hasn't exactly bought themselves the benefit of the doubt. But if this was all handed over to human resources, what's the first thing the human resources says? They would probably do exactly what happened to Corey Perry is remove them from their workplace, do an investigation. And then when the findings and results of those investigations have been uh, released, make a decision like they have. Correct. And don't say a word along the way. Right. Now, I do understand, like, on the the one hand, what I really didn't like, and there's a lot not to like here, but one of the things that I really didn't like is how it was up to Luke Richardson every day to stand in front of microphones. Correct. And talk about how it was an organizational decision, yet he was the only person from the organization that was being sent out there to answer questions. Now, um, is that because the HR department said nobody comments, whether you're Danny Wirtz, Jamie Faulkner, Kyle Davidson, or whomever? Um, I don't know. But this one looked to me like it was followed very much along corporate lines. The person who's accused of whatever gets removed from the situation. Everybody is told to be quiet about it. No comments. Everybody plays dumb janitor about it. I don't know any details. I haven't heard a thing. We don't know where he is. We don't know what's happened here. Everyone's Columbo all of a sudden. I understand that. But this is all from human resources. And again, I'll, I'll, I'll circle back. The Blackhawks have not bought themselves the benefit of the doubt at all. And I do understand that. But in this situation, if your human resources department says everybody's got to be quiet right now until this investigation is done, what are they supposed to do? I don't know. I don't know, Jeff. I just feel bad for the Bedard family and all this. I feel awful. Oh, but see, that, see that, that's a whole other layer of gross. You know what I keep telling people? Like, even, like, how does it affect your life? I'm sure you had the same text from friends and people you know in the industry. Hundreds of them, Jeff. Is this true? Hundreds of them. Like like, people that I hadn't heard from for years would be like, is this true? Yes, I know. It's like, first of all, how does this affect your life? Like I had people that I haven't talked. I had someone who was was at the Leafs game last night, the Leafs Florida Panthers game, who honestly I haven't talked to since I worked for the Toronto Marlies in 2005 text me and say, is this stuff true? And first of all, I said, listen, I haven't heard from you since 2005. And this is what you, like, I'm just with my buddies at the Leaf game and we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, first of all, get a life. Second of all, how does this affect your life? And third of all, I haven't talked to you since 2005. Like, you're right. Like, well, people like everybody, gossip. Everybody like, came. Everyone, they, they do, right? Like, that's that's just, that's just, the, and, and, and the salaciousness of it, you know, people were 
You know, and and then the, and then here's the thing, Jeff. Like the Hawks weren't saying anything. And I remember when they, I think it was uh, Kyle Davidson originally said, like, for me to deny anything, I'm not going to start denying things. I feel like in hindsight, they should have had the organizational approval to deny that because that rumor just got to the point where it was like, oh my God, like, they're not saying anything. You know, maybe. But no, but you know what? I think, I think like whether it's sports or whether it's politics, like if you start addressing rumors all the time, then that's all you're going to be doing. And all you're going to be doing is putting out fires. I think what the Hawks did here is they didn't want to give it any oxygen. Mm-hmm. And then when Kyle Davidson addressed uh, everybody yesterday, that was a sidebar to what he was talking about with, with Corey Perry because it had, it had turned into, into wildfire. But I don't think for for one second that that would have quashed it. I mean, you know, what's your line? You know, the the, the truth runs the, the uh, a lie runs around the block before the truth gets its shoes on and walks out the front <laughs> yeah, door. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that that's just the way it is. I, I just thought it was gross, and I'm with you. Like I feel awful for Connor Bedard. I feel awful for Connor Bedard's family. I mean, everybody's had to had to you know everyone's been asked this question: Is this true? Is this true? And Honestly, like uh, the, the overwhelming feeling that I got about the whole thing was, this is gross. Mm. This is gross, and this isn't why I got in this industry to begin with. And if this is the way this industry is going to go, that we're just going to that this industry is just going to revolve around TMZ style stories, maybe I shouldn't be here. What I can't stand are all the grifters that I see online that that create content. Um, based around this rumor and they're not even like hockey people and they're making these videos that they can now monetize on X or Twitter or whatever you're going to call it and they're just going to pick just because like you said these salacious rumors and lies like they they get so much more traction and I think that's (laughs) Maybe one of the problems or the major problem with social media is this stuff can get out of control. And at the same time, people can profit off it mm. with like yeah. no recourse at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not new in that sense. It's not like it, new. It, 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 it's a new it platform, feels, but it's not new. It, it, it's just like it hasn't, like hockey hasn't really been touched by it. Yep. Like I think it's more of my point. And this is, you know, one of the first times that profoundly hockey has. And, you know, while most people just find it salacious, just are, oh, this is some tea. Like, I think most of us are sort of disgusted by the whole thing. But, like, you know, welcome to the world that we live in now. Mm-hmm. Like, on the one hand, social media, like, mainly I treat social media like a wire service. And I think it's still, to this day, the best wire service going. Yeah. Um, that is the first beast that gets fed. You know, I always make this point every year at trade deadline time. Listen, I'm part of trade deadline, too. But you know who wins on trade deadline? Twitter. Yeah. The first one that gets fed, yep. <laughs> like it's like you want you don't want to go where things. Like on the one hand, it can be an incredible news service, like the best wire service in the world, period. But as we all know, it also has a very dark side and a very ugly side as well. Um, and I think now we're seeing that in hockey. And I, I think part of this too is just it's been such a just an overwhelming season already of just, you know, everyday drama, everyday drama, everyday drama. Everything is, you know, instant. Everything just seems really heavy right now in hockey. If like everyone feels like, I mean, I certainly do. I feel like I'm carrying a weight every day at work. It's just like, okay, now I got to slog through all of this. 
to get to what sports should be. <laughs> you know what I mean? So maybe this is just, you know, uh, this is just the first time this has profoundly touched hockey. But I'll, I'll echo what you said a second ago. Like, I feel horrible for the Bedard family. Someone should have to go through this. The kid's 18 years old and say nothing of his, his, his family. If you talk to anybody in the Western Hockey League, whether they had any sort of, you know, uh, passing moment with the Bedards, I'll tell you how salt of the earth these people are. And how even if, you know, uh, Connor played at a tournament 10 years ago with one kid, the parents still keep in touch with the other parents. Like, that's the, the, the quality. I'm, I'm embarrassed for anyone that trafficked in it, created it, and I'm pretty disgusted by the whole thing. Well, let's lighten up this conversation. Remember a year ago? How are you going to pivot on this? Remember a year ago when you and Fridge would start almost almost like every 32 thoughts or every hit with him on your radio show with the Canucks? And like yeah. what a story they were. And I'm sure you heard it from people back east. It was like, are we talking about the Canucks again? Yeah, I mean, that me. team now is kind of the Oilers, <laughs> I suppose. Like the Oilers were... No, nah, they're boring now. Yeah, they're, no, boring, they're boring now, but they're winning. <laughs> but I, I think we should just, I think we should just take some time to appreciate a guy like Brock Besser, who leads the NHL in goals. He has, he got two more last night, and I've said it a few times over the last week. He should have, he should have probably had more goals. He's had so many prime scoring chances, but seventeen goals. In 23 games, more goals than Austin Matthews, more goals than Nikita Kucherov and Connor McDavid, more goals than everyone in the NHL right now. And not too long ago, we are talking months. Like, if you go back to the offseason, the Canucks were in a position where they could not have traded Brock Besser without adding a sweetener. What do you think about the Brock Besser story? How many times did you have to chase a rumor about Brock Besser going to the Los Angeles Kings? How many times did you have to chase that one? Um, Besser's an easy guy to cheer for, first of all. So you're happy that it happens, right? Like he's a really, like you have to be like the most cynical, hardened, cold-hearted Grinch of a hockey fan. Not whether you're a Vancouver Canucks fan or not, not to be, you know, right there beside Brock Besser after everything he went there, uh, went through with his father. Um, I love the stories of him driving his dogs to Vancouver, like all of it. Like he's a really, he's a likable person. Like he's someone who's really easy to cheer for. So, you know, every day when you pop on NHL.com and you look at your goals leaders, you look at, you know, you look at someone like Brock Besser and you go, you know what? That's great. I'm happy that it's happening for this guy because the potential was always there. And I think at times you wonder, you know, given the, the, the personal tragedy that he went through, you know, was he going to, to, to actualize as the player that we're seeing now? Like, you know, tragedy affects people a lot of different ways. We've all had it in, in our families and our surroundings. Um, some of us wilt and some of us have the ability to bloom. And obviously Brock Besser has had the ability to bloom, which I think is, I think is a testament to the entire support system that he has around him, whether it's family, uh, whether it's his, uh, the agency that represents him, whether it's the Vancouver Canucks, whether it's Vancouver Canucks fans. I, I know this is sort of a, a long-winded way of, of saying I'm happy for him, but I'm happy for him. Like, he's one of the guys that's easy to cheer for, isn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, we talked about that coming into the season, just getting back to maybe 
God, like a 30-goal scorer would have been amazing at that point because, the you know, the bloom was off the rose and that sort of thing. He's on pace for 61 goals. Like I'm, I, I got a feeling he might fall short of that, but <laughs> the fact that he's there is – hey, look, if you would have told me that he would be the NHL standalone leading goal scorer – yeah, Basically, going into December, I would have said there's no way. Like, yeah, you would have believed like Hughes might lead the NHL in defenseman scoring, or Petey and Miller might be up among the scoring leaders, or Thatcher Demko might be the goal, the best goalie. You'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's that, that's all within the realm of possibility. But Besser leading the NHL in goals, that's that that's I think that's the most remarkable individual stat on the Canucks right now. How about Philip Peronik though? There's a, well, yeah, that's interesting because we only got a real small cameo from him last year, four games, and we had a, f- a few questions about not like was he good or not, but how high his ceiling was going to be. And then right. now, and now I I like to go back and relitigate. I'm like, isn't it amazing that Detroit gave Vancouver the best top pairing of defensemen in, in the entire <laughs> NHL? Because I look at Hronik and I keep, you know what, Jeff and Jason have talked about this. We almost keep wondering, like, what's what's the catch here? When is the carpet, the rug going to get pulled out from under us? Like, why was he made available? Because he looks really good, and his production this year, like some of the aforementioned guys, has been really good as well. Well, I mean, this is, you know, uh, again, here I go. It's low-hanging fruit, but, you know, as we've said before, low-hanging fruit is still nutritious. Yes. This is the second time that the Detroit Red Wings have given the Vancouver Canucks a top-pairing defenseman, No. Well, yeah, the entire top pair, right? Yeah, Hughes and Hronik, <laughs> yeah. all courtesy, all, all courtesy Detroit. Detroit. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, Stevie. Thanks, yeah. thanks, thanks, Stevie. Y. like, <laughs> you know, send the send the, send the Christmas cards every year. And you know, the dog's whining here. He, he's a big Detroit Red Wings fan. He doesn't like when I talk negatively about Steve Eiserman. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, like it's it, it's true. Like, like, look, man, like, uh, make no mistake about it here. Like the, the 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 one thing that we're all marveling at is uh, is is this Vancouver is this Vancouver turnaround, and you know, and and the question becomes, you know, where do you where where do you place them? Like, are they in that conversation with the top teams in the NHL? Like, are they that bullet, or are they the vacuum that exists right behind that bullet? And I think at times they've been both. And I think that's why now that we've passed the quarter mark of the season, you know, it's going to be fascinating. And especially now that Vancouver's got a little bit of cap room as well after the Pavilion trade, you know, where this team is going to end up. Like, all I know is it's a great story and they're a fun team to watch. Like, I just, I I don't care about, you know, who wins a hockey game or who loses a hockey game. I just want to watch a fun hockey game. Like, I watch all these things. You guys do too. Like outside of like maybe the Vancouver, you know, Vancouver fans cheering from the Vancouver Canucks. Like by and, by and large, like people watch a lot of hockey. That's the, the the truth about Canadians. And the Vancouver Canucks, along with a couple of other teams, have become must-watch TV. Like, hey, everybody in the East, don't go to bed. Vancouver is playing. You're going to see some really cool stuff. I love it. And and it, it teams like this that you want to do well because you want other teams to try to play like this. Like I remember there was that one year. When uh, Bruce Boudreau was coaching the Washington Capitals and Lindy Ruff was coaching the Dallas Stars. You guys remember this? I think I might have been on the old Curtain Blog show with you guys and we talked about it. We're like, yeah. oh man, let's, let's just hope, let's just hope for a, a Dallas-Washington final because these are the two teams that were just like, go, 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 go offense. And you know, if like these two teams make it to the final, then everybody's going to try to end Dallas or Washington. No, they both flamed out early. Of course. Like, yeah, because you, yeah, you can't play like that in the playoffs. Yeah, you just cheer for like, you know, I want this team to be successful because I want other teams to play this way. 
Nah, Vancouver's one of those teams for me. Um, we were talking about Nikita Zadorov uh, in the last segment, and because we're now wondering what the Canucks are going to do with this um, cap space that they've got, and there have been rumors uh, that the Canucks have interest in Zadorov, but I wonder if another team, and that's the team in your neck of the woods, the Toronto Maple Leafs, who lost a defenseman, Mark Giordano, in a game yep. yesterday, and Brad Living, who knows Zadorov from his time in Calgary, um, has even before Giordano got hurt, he said, yeah, we need to upgrade the blue line. Like, who's going to be, who's a defenseman in the NHL that we should be watching for? Because the Canucks want to upgrade their blue line. The Leafs want to upgrade the blue line. I'm sure there's a lot of teams that want to upgrade their blue line right now, but who's yeah. trading defensemen right now? Yeah, that's the the one commodity that teams don't like to get rid of. I think a lot of it's going to depend on, like we've said it before, like, you know, the Calgary's trade fate is in, is in their hands. Um, who's going to resign, if anyone? How well is the team playing, et cetera? Um, I, I, the thing about Zadorov is, I don't know that Craig Conroy is in too much of a hurry to trade Zadorov because how public the trade request was. And I think as a new general manager, he doesn't want to be seen around the NHL as someone that will cave to players quickly. Oh, you want to trade? Okay, you're out. Because then, you know, that perks up the years of every of every agent in the NHL that says, is it that easy? Really? Is that, e- that, that easy to get my clients out? I just follow the, the Dan Milstein pattern here. Um, but it means the door. I mean, watching Chris Tan have blocked that shot the other night with his face. All I could think about is if you're Brad for living, are you not just like, are you just not like, like, Oh no, please don't let this be bad. Please don't let this be, you know, mm-hmm. Ian LaPerriere with Paul Martin. It can't be this bad. Cause that's one of the guys you have your eyes on. Um, I think, you know, I think a lot of people are wondering about Carolina when it comes to defensemen. Um, and, and who might be uh, available there. Elliot and I have talked about Tony D'Angelo before, you know, with the uh, the reemergence of Brett Pesci, uh, so I, th- I think we wonder uh, about that. Um, I think that listen, the Dallas Stars like they're not. It, it, Vancouver's not the only one. Toronto's not the only one looking for uh, another defenseman. I mean, it's not exactly a secret here that the Dallas Stars are looking for a top four D. Um, even though they had, I don't know how I would describe it, maybe a flirtation with Patrick Kane. Um, I don't think the money was anywhere close to what Detroit offered, nor was the position. Uh, anywhere close to to what Detroit offered, and I think that they're they're hunting for a blue liner. Um, so Vancouver's not the only ones. Um, Calgary seems to have a lot of them. Uh, I don't know that Conroy's in any hurry to trade any of them right now. I mean, this really isn't a league that gets trading until January in the first place. Um, but you know, Vancouver's going to be in the market with a lot of other teams, most notably Toronto and Dallas, looking. You know, looking for another blue liner here. And I think I think Boston might still be looking for another blue liner, if you can believe that as well. Jeff, you're the best, bud. Thanks a lot for doing this. We really appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest of the day and the rest of the week. We'll do this again next week. Enjoy the soap opera that is the NHL. Here we go. Another day. Can't wait to see what's next. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it, bud. Thanks. Thanks, boys. Talking to you. Uh, Jeff Merrick, host of The Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network and the 32 Thoughts Podcast right here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. So the Chicago Blackhawks were actually in action last night, and they beat the Seattle Kraken. Kraken Four can't to three. get The Kraken straight. are not good. Can't get it straight. They can't get their season on track. Mm-hmm. You thought maybe, maybe because they blew the doors off the Sharks, who are now a wagon, by the way. Um, <laughs> and I, you thought, okay... 
maybe they're ready to right the ship. They had kind of put together some nice results, but now they've lost three of their last four, well, if that's, I'm not mistaken. That third period against the Canucks. Was, um, you know, I know good. we were all looking at it from the perspective of the Canucks and going, what a great third period. That was incredible. Um, if you're looking at it from Seattle's perspective, that was a that was a concerning third period where you go into the third, you're still within reach of getting result out of the game, and you come up very short at home, like had nothing at home. We're dominated by the Canucks at home when you're desperate for wins. Not encouraging if you're the Kraken. Ben Pope is going to uh, join us from the Chicago Blackhawks. He was at the uh, press conference with Kyle Davidson yesterday. So we'll ask him what that was like, uh, what it's been like for Connor Bedard this season in Chicago. And then we'll run through a few more uh, NHL stories from last night. You're listening to the Alfred and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650.